You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me for this episode of Gators Breakdown, our Georgia opponent preview, is co-host and founder of ReadingReaction.com, that's Will Miles, and you can find him on Twitter at WillMiles. S-E-C. So, Will, um, first time it's ever happened, but uh, this is the f- we have to re-record an episode. For whatever reason, uh, YouTube didn't back up uh, this recording of our Georgia preview. So, of course, you know, the best team on Florida's schedule, we're going to have to talk twice about. <laughs> See, I just figured you thought I was being too positive last time, and so you decided <laughs> to erase it and just claim that it had been lost in the archives. But... Uh, Hey, you know, we'll do it again. It's it's uh, I, I've come up with some more uh, with some more material, anti-Georgia propaganda. So so we'll lay some of that out tonight. I will say I'm so glad Georgia doesn't have Joe Burrow as quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> well, people have enjoyed uh, making fun of me a little bit. And, you know, we'll see because they get Miami right off the bat. All right. Yeah. You don't know what we're talking about. Go back and listen to our LSU preview where uh, Will confesses his band crush for Joe Burrow. Hey, I, I bought the property on Borough Island, and, and hopefully he can take it to Georgia on the road. That's right. Georgia and LSU do play each other. So Florida and Georgia both play LSU uh, this year as cross-division uh, opponents. So, of course, Florida plays them every year, uh, and Georgia will have to play LSU and Auburn uh, this year. So before we dive into this Georgia preview, remember you can find all the Gators Breakdown episodes on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find articles from the News for Jack sports team there as well. We, they'll be wrapping up coverage uh, for the Gators, Jaguars, all that stuff here in Jacksonville. You can also find all the past opponent previews that we've done so far up to uh, this Georgia game uh, at newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, listen to the uh, podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. or um, And follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. And using their services, please rate and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. Well, if we go back to, to last year, and you know, it was a, a weird game because just so much went into it off the field, leading up to the Georgia game, and you know, all the rumors of Jim McElwain being fired uh, going into the game, uh, the week of, the day of, uh, and the Gators just went on to, to get blasted 42 to 7. But that's not to take away anything from from the, that Georgia team that you know they were just that good. Uh, but now you know how good are they 
this year after they probably lose one of the best linebackers in college football and Roquan Smith, uh, lose Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, uh, have to replace seven starters on defense, some of the key offensive linemen as well. And going back to last year and seeing the whooping they put on Florida, you know, some, there's there's some hope with everything they lost last year, that, you know, that, that the gap closes just a little bit between Florida and Georgia this year. Yeah, I mean, you know that that really is going to be the hope because Kirby's Kirby's lining up the uh, the cabinets there with recruits, and this might be the year to get them, particularly with uh, with some of the running backs who are who are graduating, and as you mentioned, the linebackers as well. Um, one thing that I think has been a little bit overlooked is the defensive backs. So there are a couple of defensive backs who've left this year, um, and and you know. Typically, that's one of the areas where bringing in young guys, um, you know, can really struggle, even if they have a lot of athletic ability. So we'll see. I think I think this season will say a lot about Kirby Smart's coaching ability. Um, I think some of the youth might allow somebody to get Georgia, um, particularly in some of the road games. But you know, we're also not talking about a murderer's row schedule. It's not like they're facing a bunch of top ten teams all year long. So. You know, we'll we'll see. I, I think uh, I think there's a reason Georgia was picked to be first in the SECs this year by the media, and uh, you know, obviously, I, I think that 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 um, they're the favorite going in. But sometimes it's a lot easier to be the uh, to be the hunter than it is the hunted. That is, but that is my question uh, about Georgia too: is how do they respond after? Uh, you know, a, a dominant regular season. They only had the the one regular season loss versus Auburn. Uh, they got the re- got the revenge uh, in that game in the SEC championship game. Uh, good showing there. A good showing in the postseason against Oklahoma, and a really good showing in, uh, again in the national championship game, but on the short end of the stick against Alabama. But you know, how much does that Alabama game play into it? Georgia wasn't pegged last year uh, as a team that can make it to the national championship game. They got there. Uh, Lo and behold, if they, if they keep handing the ball to Sony Michelle, they they probably win that game. Uh, but they, for whatever reason, quit, quit giving the ball to him. But you know, that was a game they thought they had wrapped up. They thought they were about to celebrate a national championship, and it all come crashing down with a second and twenty six. Uh, that is my question about Georgia: is is how do they respond after the heartbreak of losing that game? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can think of teams where um, where fingers start pointing and where guys decide that it's their opportunity to start. And maybe, you know, everybody bought in last year to the team concept. And is Kirby going to be able to get everybody to buy into that team concept again this year? Um, at the same time, that because they didn't win the national championship, you do figure that they've got a pretty bad taste in their mouth yeah. and have been pretty focused this offseason. And so, um, you know, you would expect some of that focus to, to, <laughs> to be laid out on some of their early opponents. Um, I do think, though, I mean, so Georgia very, last year was very, very good. They, they scored 531 points, only gave up 246, which, you know, if you look at their expected win total based on that differential, it'd be around 12.4. Um, you know, they won 13 games, went 13-2. and two. So really, they, they played in line with what you would expect. But it's not as if they were really world beaters to start off last year. I mean, you know, when they were playing, uh, when they were playing Notre Dame, obviously on the road, a tough game, but they barely won that game. They didn't look great against Appalachian State. Didn't look great against Samford. I mean, it wasn't until they played Mississippi State that they started to look good. And then after that, it was a murderer's row of Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida, and South Carolina. Not exactly. Uh, <laughs> not exactly top 25 level teams. Um, and, and so until they reached Auburn and then they played Auburn on the road and got beat. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's still some doubt. They played very, very well. Once they got to the playoff, they played very well against Auburn in the sec championship game. So certainly they have that top gear, but they really weren't asked to have that top gear all last year. 
Yeah, and what led that top gear, of course, even though you know Jake Fromm came in as a true freshman after Jacob Eason went down uh, and, you know, and led that team to a national championship uh, game appearance, it was still the running game with Michelle and and Chubb. You know, finishing the year, uh, you know, the 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 the, the whole offense, four hundred thirty five yards a game, thirty five points per game. They led the SEC in rushing. Uh, there, as I mentioned, with those two guys, eleventh in passing efficiency. There, uh, you know, they lost some of those parts with Michelle and Chubb, but it's looking at that that running back, and I still think, even though they've lost the the name recognition, you st- I still think this offense is going to be built behind. You know, I think they'll hand more to Jake Fromm, of course, being a more experienced and and being and being able what he showed last year, putting more on his shoulders. But I still think it's going to be a run first uh, offense with DeAndre DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield, Samir White, a true freshman there, James Cook, another true freshman. Look, they're 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 stacked at running back again, just as Georgia has been for you know quite some time now. Even though Jake Fromm, you know, uh, uh, and I like what he showed late in the season in, in, against Auburn, against Oklahoma, against Alabama, it's still, in my opinion, still going to be built at, you know, with this run game in mind. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what Georgia wants to do, and certainly that's what Kirby Smart wants to do, and be able to control the game with his defense and his running game. But I do think we need to acknowledge that they're losing 388 carries, 2,578 yards, a 6.6 yard per carry average, and 31 touchdowns when you talk when you talk about Chubb and Michelle. So even if you project out to these guys coming in are going to be very, very good, they're not going to be elite and or you know I wouldn't expect them to be elite or just as good as those guys and so you know hey let's say they only have 27 touchdowns instead of 42 next year from the running backs well that's still 105 points you got to make up someplace else I, I don't expect this offense to be this juggernaut that puts up 45 points a game I just don't it's not the way it's built um you know, they're, they're not really built to be high flying. It's not built to be like a Florida offense under Urban Meyer where they were going to chuck the ball all over the place. The other thing is, is that Florida brought in a lot of five-star athletes to replace Percy Harvin. And everybody kept saying, oh, they will be the next Percy Harvin, the next Percy Harvin. And we've all experienced that there is no next Percy Harvin. And I wonder whether George is about to feel the same thing with Michelle and Chubb. I mean, those guys were really, really good players. And they're bringing in really good players behind them. But do they have that same skill level? Just because there's a five-star behind their name does not mean that they are elite, elite. I mean, these are guys who got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. I think it's something we need to acknowledge that, A, running backs don't really get drafted in the first 35 picks in the NFL draft very much anymore unless they're special. And two, Georgia had two special guys back there. And now a lot of that weight is going to land on Fromm. Andre DeBose is still on Florida's roster, right? Still waiting to be Percy Harvin? He's got like one more year of eligibility, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, helping that run game was the offensive line. And I mentioned earlier, they're, they're losing some uh, losing some guys there, too. Uh, and, and they weren't small. They, you know, they were a pretty big offensive line. Uh, you know, but the uh, now 320-pound Andrew Thomas moving over from right tackle to, to left tackle. Uh, but you got Andre Baker, who's a lighter, versatile uh, guy. You know, he was uh, – you know, he probably can bring a little bit of upside uh, to the guard spot there. Right side, Lamont Galliard uh, there, he p- pretty good. I think I said his name right. Uh, and then the, I think the guy you really have to watch out for, and you know, I think he was a pretty big uh, surprise last year on the recruiting trail, J- uh, Jamari Sawyer. He's probably going to be, uh, what I think, you know, go back and looking at you know, 
these true freshmen that come in and you know, keep surprising, and especially on the offensive line. I think it's really tough for offensive linemen to come in uh, as a as a true freshman uh, to come in and play, but we keep seeing it, and Sawyer's probably going to be uh, another one that comes along that phrase. So we – the offensive line was their biggest question to me last year. You know, uh, first year under Kirby Smart, uh, the, there and, and Cheney, the offensive coordinator. I, I think you know, talking to my Georgia friends and going back to this time last year, that was their biggest uh, their biggest question mark. Is I, I they don't think they could they didn't think they could do la- what they did last year, mainly because of the offensive line. Well, now th- they saw just how much of improvement one year can make, and they don't expect much of a fall off this year. Yeah, I wouldn't expect so, especially if you look at the talent profile. Actually, if you look at the offensive line, that's where the least amount of talent on Georgia's offense is, but that's just because everywhere else is loaded with five-star guys. (laughs) So Fromm was a high-level four-star, and then you got Swift at running back, five-star. Hardman, Godwin, and Ridley at wide receiver, who are five-stars. Isaac Nata at tight end, who's a five-star. And then you get to the get to the offensive line and Gaillard's a four-star Ben Cleveland, four-star Kendall Baker, four-star Isaiah Wilson, five-star Andrew Thomas, high level five-star and some of the other guys that you mentioned, I mean, they're just loaded from a talent perspective. This isn't something where you're like, Oh, there's going to be a couple of injuries and they aren't going to be able to replace anybody. Um, There's really only one spot where they can't afford an injury and that's likely at at quarterback. Um, You know, Justin Fields obviously is the number one recruit coming in. At quarterback, but he doesn't have, <laughs> but he doesn't have any tape at all <laughs> to suggest. You know, again, again, you can look at high school and you can try to project, but he was one of those fast risers towards the end. What happens when he gets put into a game situation if he has to because something happens to Fromm? Fromm had the broken wrist earlier this year. Um, you know, we'll see what happens as, as that goes. But that's you know, the 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 backup quarterback is is gone. Last year they had. Uh, they had Jacob Eason. If something happened to Fromm, they could bring Eason back in. They don't necessarily have that this year. So that's that's one area where where depth is maybe a little bit lacking. Yeah, and I do agree. You, you mentioned that and Justin Fields and Jake Fromm being there. You know, look, uh, I'm sorry. I don't get there. You know, there are some talk out there of, uh, of somewhat, you know, I don't, there's, it's not a lot out there, but somewhat of a quarterback controversy. There should be none. Uh, you know, Jake Fromm, you know, He's not, he's not a superstar quarterback, and I wouldn't necessarily call him a game manager either. I, uh, even with that running game, I think he's slightly above that, but I wouldn't call him an elite quarterback either. I think he's kind of somewhere in between that, that game manager and that, that playmaker type of quarterback. You know, true freshmen, as I mentioned, came in for when uh, Easton went down. Uh, and like I said, I go back and he was kind of – he, he kind of was serviceable up until – what he did toward the end of the season, you know, go back and also, you know, just look 6'2", 225, 62% of his passes he completed, 2,615 yards, 24 touchdowns to seven picks. You know, I mean, that's pretty that, – that's good for a true freshman to come in and being able to to go to Notre Dame and then uh, play the, you know, albeit a down uh, – a not as strong SEC East, uh, but, you know, still coming through that. But, you know, going to the, the last game of the season – and against Georgia Tech, a rival, and then toward the end of the year, I mean, 74% of his throws against Georgia Tech and in the SEC championship win over Auburn, 20 or 29 uh, for 210 yards and, and two touchdowns against Oklahoma, and then really good, I, I, you know, even it's, it's Alabama's defense, and he 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 kept Georgia in the game, not a lot of mistakes, you know, and, and I know you'll mention, uh, Will, you know, since we, of course I mentioned we've already done this, so, you know, uh, this Georgia preview, but the way he throws the ball to the to the outside, you know, he he shows he can have the arm strength to get the ball to the outside a lot. 
it's just the, the way that this Georgia team and kind of led by him and that running game, the way they ended the season, you know, I, I think that that's the reason I put him more than more or I label him more than just a, a game manager type of quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he sure, he certainly showed a lot of poise while he was playing. I, I think, um, you know, he only averaged 20.3 passes per game when he was in there. Now, part of that's because he only had to throw seven against Florida. So, so that, drew, <laughs> that drove the average down quite a bit. I think if you're, if you're really looking for the separation, though, the, the space where you look at is if you look at how he performed against ranked teams, um, he had a negative yards above replacement, which is a statistic I calculate based on um, – based on yardage per pass and yardage per rush. So he only averaged 7.5 yards per pass, and he averaged negative 2.6 yards per rush against ranked teams, which indicated that he's taken some sacks. When you looked at unranked teams, he averaged 9.9 yards per rush, and he averaged 3 point, or I'm sorry, 9.9 yards per pass and 3.9 yards per rush. So very, very much above average, very, very good against against the unranked teams, and really below average against the ranked teams. Now, you'll, you're always going to see a split there because whenever you play better teams, you tend to you know you tend to play worse as a quarterback but it's pretty consistent that when he played teams that were pretty good he struggled and when he played teams that weren't he did much better and that coincides with a with a difference in the rushing statistics so georgia averaged uh 6.6 yards per rush um in games against unranked teams and then they averaged four point something yards per rush against ranked teams and so michelle and and uh michelle and chubb weren't able to get off in those games um you know the alabama games are a great example they only they only averaged three yards per rush in that game and and it it stifled the offense and it stifled the offense because of what you said earlier that from likes throwing to the outside and he's going to do it regardless and if the running game isn't a threat then there are some things you can do on defense to take that away um in the game against in the game against florida last year there just wasn't anything the gators could do to take it away because it couldn't stop the run and then when they brought a safety up the outside was open and he took advantage of that too. So um, I do think it's, I think the windows are going to get a little bit tighter for Fromm this year, uh, but obviously he's had a year to, to watch tape and work on things and get better. And the question will be, has he been able to progress in the way that you would want to see a quarterback progress from his freshman year to his sophomore year? And if he has, the team may put up game show numbers on offense. But if he's still sort of doing the same type of stuff that he did last year, I think he's going to struggle because the running game is not going to be as strong. And I think people are going to have some film on how to actually deal with Georgia, um, you know, with Fromm behind center. And that's not necessarily something that they had going into the playoff last year. You know, and for the most part, they were leaning on that running game and, and, and the stats weren't there. Uh, until later on in the season, uh, you know, if you go back and look at, until your point, you go back and look at that Auburn game last year where where Georgia was a regular season loss, only forty five percent of his throws uh, were made, and he only threw for one hundred and eighty four yards. Well, there was only one game all year he threw for over two hundred and forty yards, and that's when they played Missouri. So, as I said, part of that's leaning on the run game, but also part of that's being a true freshman, learning his way through. And by the end of the year, he was you know not so much a, uh, a freshman anymore. Uh, but you know, he had some. Um, uh, good weapons, you know, Javon Wims is gone now, but you have Terry Godwin, Nicole Hardman, Riley Ridley, you know, Georgia's deep there, but also, you know, in, in recent news, uh, d- transfer Demetrius Robertson comes over, uh, recorded 767 receiving yards and seven touchdowns as a freshman in 2016. That's two seasons ago. Only played in two games last year before he got hurt. He was a highly rated recruit. Uh, Will, they just, uh, they keep, they just add another five star, one who actually has experience to their roster, uh, coming in to help Jake Fromm, uh, Jake Fromm out this year. Yeah, I mean, they really needed it, right? 
that, that 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 was a real position of need for Georgia. That that it's a good thing they took care of that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had anybody to catch the ball. <laughs> um, no, it's another weapon on the outside. It's another it's another really really good player out there. But again, I don't think that's going to decide the season. I think mm-hmm. the interesting thing for for Georgia is if you look at 2016 with Jacob Eason at quarterback, Isaac Nada is a true freshman. The tight end caught 29 passes, and overall Georgia's tight ends caught 41 balls plus another eight to fullback Christian Payne. In 2007, Nada only caught nine passes. Payne didn't catch any, and Georgia tight ends totaled 22. So he's not going across the middle. And that's odd because you would figure there'd be a lot of play action opportunities across the middle with that running game. But what was happening was is that people were sort of daring him to throw outside, and he was able to do that. And they kind of had to dare him to throw outside because of Georgia's running game. And we'll see. If Georgia can establish the running game, he'll be able to do the same thing again this year. If Georgia can't establish the running game, or at least not as well, or it's not as big a threat, or if Swift is the only threat, and when Swift comes off the field and they bring Holyfield or someone else, or Harry or someone else like that in, and, uh, you know, Teams can play more cover, too. We'll see whether Fromm forces the ball to the outside. And there, the transfers and the five-star guys on the outside, if you've got double coverage, it's not going to matter. So, um, again, I think this is last year those guys gave Georgia the ability to do something that really no one else in the country can do. And this year, they may not have that ability, and we'll see how Fromm adjusts. One thing we'll have to figure out, if teams want to get on Georgia this year, you're going to have to figure out how to slow them down early. Will last year... Uh, you know, kind of just some key numbers here. First quarter, first quarter scoring Georgia one hundred and twenty-five. Their opponents only fifty. Well, I mean, geez, they gave up fifty points. Kirby's going to be all over them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's hard when you fall behind. Again, that sort of goes to, um, you know when we pick apart what Fromm is doing, he's only throwing 20, 20 passes a game. Well, it's really easy to do when you're up by three touchdowns yeah. after the first quarter to not have to throw the ball. And so, um, you know that is going to be that is going to be something. Now I, you know, we're going to move on to the defense in a few minutes, and, and the question will be: Can the defense be as good as it was last year? And they're losing an awful lot there too. And part of jumping on teams early is not allowing them to score, getting the ball back to your offense, and being able to turn it around that way. So um, you know those things work hand in hand. That's not just an offensive stat, and mm-hmm. uh, and certainly. Even if even even if Georgia's offense is a little bit better, I think they'll struggle a little bit more in the uh, in the first quarter just because of what what they have to replace on defense. Yeah, and we, and we talked about that running game, and Will, you talked about how important Chubb and Michelle were. Forty-two rushing touchdowns for Georgia, eight for opponents. Yeah, I mean, forty-two rushing touchdowns is just obscene. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, I, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, Jake, Jake Fromm had three of those. <laughs> well, so I mean, I don't, I don't know how many. I don't know how many Florida had last year, but I'm betting it was not in the thirties. Um, and yes, I mean, Georgia had an elite, or Georgia had a very good offense. I wouldn't say it was an elite. They had an elite defense last year. And they had so, an elite running game. They definitely had an elite running game, though. You know, it's it's a little bit unfair to say that because if if you look at the offense on yards per play, they were ninth last year. They were tenth in pass yards per play and fourth in rush yards per play. So they were a very very good offense last year as well. But again, that all sort of stems from the running game. Yeah, you know, going back and looking at the you know even though they beat Oklahoma, you know, going back and looking at game that that was an elite offense. <laughs> yeah, well, and and they. Let's be honest, they shouldn't have won that game. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at it, Oklahoma had a bunch of opportunities to win. Didn't take advantage of it, and Georgia did. But at the same time, um, I think if, if we look at it, a, a missed field goal here or there in Oklahoma is definitely playing for the national championship. Um, but that just allowed us to have the uh, 
to have the second and 26 and be able to crow about that all offseason because there was nothing else to crow about. Yeah, it's funny how that worked. You know, the, the Rose Bowl, a game they probably shouldn't have won, and the National Championship game, a game they shouldn't have probably lost. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's true too. And, and that goes back to the other thing that I do think we need to talk about when it comes to Georgia is you know Kirby Smart has proven to be an elite recruiter. He has not proven to me, at least, that he's an elite in-game coach. So you know, the game against Alabama is a great example where um, you know that game should have been won, and you mentioned them taking the ball out of Michelle's hands. They also then allow that play on second and 26. I mean, it just can't happen. You can't have a busted coverage on second and 26 in overtime. Um, you know, and, and now he's dealing with – he's got a great problem that he's got all these four- and five-star guys on his roster. But that's a problem because those guys are going to want to play. And so how do you manage the egos? How do you manage that sort of stuff, especially now that the team is seeing success and the team is getting um, all of the accolades that come with being a top-five program and, and being sort of the toast of the campus? And we'll see what we'll see how, how he can deal with that. I mean, you know, Saban's struggling with that right now with Jalen Hurts and Tua – um, you've got Hertz out there complaining about how the coaches have been communicating with him. And Saban's the best coach probably of his generation. And, you know, Kirby doesn't have that sort of gravitas. He's probably a very good coach, but we don't know that yet from an on-game or from an in-game perspective. He hasn't shown that much. And then when you look at, uh, you know, and, and then when you look at the locker room stuff, we don't know anything about that either. So I do think that's something to take to take note of as the season goes. Certainly, anything where there's where there's a disagreement on the sidelines probably going to get blown up. The microscope's going to be on these guys all year long, and you know we all remember sort of the 2009 season after the 2008 championship for Florida, where it just didn't feel like it was any fun because mm. things you know Florida had blown everybody out in 2008, and in 2009 it was like oh you only won by 30, what's wrong? <laughs> and you know that's going to be the same thing that happens to Georgia. I mean you know if they come out and they beat Georgia Tech by a field goal, that's not going to be good enough. Last year beating Georgia Tech by a field goal would have been good enough. This year, it's just not going to be. All right, we'll move to the other side of the ball where Kirby Smart is known to be elite, and, and that's the defense. And the question is, will is it rebuild or reload? Uh, you know, And lo- replacing seven starters, losing Roquan Smith, Lorenzo Carter, you know, it, it's a, the defense that finished sixth in the nation uh, in total and scoring uh, scoring defense. So the strength is it's probably the secondary uh, this year and, and until they figure those pieces out. Um, they're led by DeAndre Baker. Um, it is an interesting question. They have recruited well, but there will be some young guys that, that, that have to fill in. So is it rebuild or, or reload? And uh, still, you know, replacing Smith and, and Carter as guys, and pretty much the only proven guys who could get in the backfield consistently. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. So they're losing nine of their top 15 tacklers. I mean, that's just an awful lot of firepower to lose. So they're losing 455 tackles, 45 and a half tackles for loss, and 18 sacks. And that's about 50% of their production. Um you know, that they had last year as far as pressuring the quarterback and, and making tackles. Um, they do get J.R. Reed and DeAndre Baker back in the in the defensive backfield, as you mentioned, but they're losing Aaron Davis and they're losing Dominique Sanders. So, you know, they're losing a couple of guys back in that defensive backfield. They're going to have to have a couple of guys step up. Certainly, they've got talent to do that. But again, this goes back to the 2006 to 2007 Florida transition where Tebow came in, won the Heisman Trophy. They were lighting up scoreboards all over the place. But some of those young defensive backs that Florida brought in who turned out to be very, very, very good players 
really weren't ready for that situation. There's sort of a lack of trust on defense, I think. If you look, especially when I'm remembering back to the Capital One Bowl against Michigan, you know, it was just, there was absolutely, that defense had no clue how to stop Michigan. And the, and the next year, they stopped absolutely everyone. So it wasn't a talent thing. It was just an experience thing and a trust thing. And so, again, you know, maybe Kirby Smart is a better coach than, than Urban Meyer was at the time on defense. But I, I kind of doubt that. I mean, they had Charlie Strong on the staff as well. I, I do think that when you bring in young guys, that they can struggle. We actually saw that with Florida last year, where they had Marco Wilson and, and C.J. Henderson on the outside, and and they showed a lot of promise and they showed some flashes. But overall, their the yardage given up was pretty bad last year for Florida. I think it's going to. I think you can see something similar for for Georgia. So they were seventh in defensive yards per play last year, third in defensive pass yards per play, 32nd in defensive rush yards per play. So if they drop to say 20th in defensive pass yards per play, the defense probably going to up, give up four or five more points um, per game. And that's not necessarily terrible. I mean, it would still be a top 20 defense. And I think maybe that's what you should, what we should expect is a top 20 to top 30 defense, but not a top 10 defense like they were last year. And that four or five points makes a difference. That game against Notre Dame was 20 to 19. One more stop they don't get. That game goes the other direction. And that might be something that we see this year. Yeah, like I said, you know, they'll be led by DeAndre Baker, you know, 5'11, 180 pounds, 44 tackles, three interceptions last year. Nine pass breakups. He's pretty good there. Uh, he could have went to the NFL and decided to come back, uh, be one of the uh, SEC's top corners there. Um, it still goes back to how did, how, how did they replace Smith and Carter? And it's more not just about stats, but but the leadership as well, you know, especially from Rokon Smith there, you know, he's going to be uh, playing in the NFL uh, as a first-round pick there. And uh, you know, DeAndre Walker, uh, probably a, one of the better better playmakers there. Uh, Natrez Patrick uh, as well. Um, sophomore Monty Rice will probably get the first shot uh, of being the guy who can come in and replace Smith. Uh, Walter Grant. Uh, Maybe he'd come in as, as well. Those are names there to watch out for. Uh, but, you know, with Carter and Smith, and we, you know, we kind of, you know, the biggest key that we talked about is they needed to get some more plays behind the line. Those were the only two guys they could really kind of count on. Uh, you know, the sacks were kind of came on toward the second half of the season last year. There were 11 in just the final three games alone, but not a ton of tackles for loss. Uh, overall, compared to to your elite defenses like like your Alabamas, like your uh, you know LSU's uh, of the days, you know they had 34 sacks uh, and 93 tackles uh, for loss as the season went on. But you know this was that was a national title level defense. Uh, but can Alabama 40 sacks and 111 tackles for loss. So seven more sacks for Alabama and about 20 more tackles uh, for loss. You know that 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 was the difference. And Alabama played in one less game uh, compared to, to to Georgia there. So, you know, you go go look at the stats. You know, if we're going to nitpick here and, and figure out, you know, what can this team do to keep being elite? Well, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, they probably need to start there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Last year they forced ten fumbles. They recovered eight of them. Normally that would be around four or five. You usually recover about fifty percent of them. So certainly on the turnover basis, they did a really good job of getting the of when they got a fumble, when they got in the backfield, they were able to recover it. That probably won't continue next year. Um, when you look at the success of the guys who are on the field who are returning, um, their ratios of tackles for loss and sacks. If you look at the ratios 
versus tackles, um, which is something I usually like looking at. It's the same for the guys who left versus the guys who are returning. So I don't know that we should expect their defense to be to be any more explosive than it was last year. The, the question is, is it going to be more like the last three games of the year or is it going to be more like the first 12 games of the year? And, you know, only time will tell. I would say they were 32nd in defensive yards per play. I mentioned that earlier, but they were 32nd against the run. And so, um, you know, they're going to have to get better against the run this year to protect some of those guys on the backside. And we'll see whether they can do that, but certainly they have to replace some guys, um, particularly the guys you mentioned at linebacker. And, you know, Patrick missed the last two games of the year last year because of some uh, substance abuse issues, getting treatment. And, I, you know, I'm really, really happy that he's getting that. But, you know, that that does mean that there's a risk at linebacker there as well. And, uh, you know, so um, there's not a sure thing on this defense. It's less talented overall than the offense. Um, there's only one five-star uh, five candidate at cornerback, um, Richard LeCount, who's going to be, who's on this projected starting 11 on the defense. Um, that doesn't mean they're not talented. It just means they're not as loaded as the offense is. So it's not something where you're necessarily going to be able to just say, hey, we've got more talent than everybody else. We'll go out and win. The experience is going to make a difference. The talent will make a difference against some lesser opponents, but against a team like Florida or against a team like Tennessee or South Carolina, the talent on defense is going to be pretty equivalent to the talent on the offensive side of the ball for those teams. And I expect some teams in the SEC to be able to move the ball yeah but i think you go back and you, you said mentioned mentioned the ball i mean i remember going back and looking at that game against missouri last year and, and the, the way that game started you know that that was really about the only sec east team uh you know south carolina did play them tough but you know they couldn't put points up on the board uh but you know missouri came out there and just you know for a quarter quarter and a half was kind of you know uh going up and down uh the field with the, with the bulldogs yeah, I mean, that was really the only team that was able to do it. So they Missouri averaged 10.1 yards per throw. Um, but Missouri has probably one of the better quarterbacks in the in the SEC in Drew Locke and was able to do that. Um, Florida averaged 2.6 yards per throw, and so that's that's not good, obviously, and, and one of the reasons why the game turned out that way. Um, you know, Georgia's defense last year was really, really good. If you look at the yards above replacement for the quarterbacks that they faced – only two quarterbacks were actually above average. One was Locke in the game against Missouri, and they were able to pull that out. The other one was Stidham in the game against Auburn, and they were not able to pull that out. And so, you know, I, I think last year they were really, really, really good. If if Kirby Smart can get them to play at the level that they did last year, Georgia is going to win the East. I mean, that's just the way it is. The hope is that they take a step back. I think there are reasons to believe that they would, but if they don't, um, it's bad news for everybody in the East. Yeah, because well, I mean the two the two key games, and you know, if you want to go back and look at, um, you know, just for comparison's sake, look, we all remember forty two to seven uh, for you know Georgia beating Florida last year, but also go back and look at Georgia versus Mississippi State, and Mississippi State was coming off you know big win versus LSU. This was a you know a, a top you know a top matchup when Mississippi State traveled to Georgia, thirty one to three. You know, so you know, look at Florida and look at Mississippi State. They scored a combined ten points on Georgia last year. So, you know, you hope with Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham and, you know, the, uh, a, lot, a lot of the coaching staff coming up from Mississippi State, hopefully can figure out a, something, a little something more than, you know, what happened last year from the Florida side, of course, uh, you know, with the, with the current roster, but a lot of mental things going on there with, with Jim McElwain. But also Dan Mullen and, and that staff coming over didn't really go to Athens and, and put up much of a fight against Georgia last year with what most would consider right now, you know, not overall recruiting talent, uh, as far as comparing talent from Mississippi State to Florida, but more developed talent Mississippi State has 
especially you know being with uh, being under Dan Mullen for so long and still going to Athens and getting beat thirty-one to three. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, Georgia was very good last year. I don't think anybody's debating that. I think one of the things that we're going to run into is, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the overall recruiting averages coming into this year, Georgia's at four. Florida's at 14 and a half, Tennessee's at 14, South Carolina's at 21, Kentucky's at 34.8, Vanderbilt's at 52. So, you know, you figure Kentucky and Vandy probably not really in an area where it's competitive, but can the 21st best team beat the fourth best team in the country any day of the week? Sure. So can one of those guys, either Florida, Tennessee, or South Carolina, get Georgia? Absolutely. Is it the most likely outcome? Probably not. And so, you know, we can acknowledge that while still saying, hey, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, there might be an opportunity to get them. Um, the other thing I would say about Georgia's schedule is they have Austin P to lead things off, but then they immediately go on the road to South Carolina. Then they have Middle Tennessee State and then immediately on the road to Missouri. So they've got two road games early against two of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. Now, I'm not real impressed with Jake Bentley, but He's obviously a third-year starter. It's going to be a big home game at South Carolina. Uh, that's a space where, where you know, the Gamecocks might be able to get Georgia. And then, again, we already mentioned Locke was able to move the ball at Georgia last year. Well, now he's going to have a less experienced Georgia defense, and he's going to be playing at home um, against Georgia, and we'll see. I mean, Missouri's defense improved quite a bit. We'll talk about this in, in one of the previews. Missouri's defense improved quite a bit as the season went along, and if Missouri can continue some of those gains, they could give – they could give Georgia a run for their money too. So that's the nice part about the schedule if you're if you're hoping that Georgia's going to struggle is that the guys like Felipe Franks and Kentucky who doesn't have a quarterback yet um, and Tennessee with Guarantano and Keller Christ and Vanderbilt with Kyle Shermer, those sort of sub-tier or unproven quarterbacks don't come up until later in the year and the proven guys are coming up in those first two games, the first two SEC games that Georgia's going to play. Yeah, and yeah, I think we'll know a pretty good bit about Georgia too after that South Carolina game. So, you know, we'll see like Georgia, we, as we said, they're replacing so much. I do expect them to get better as the year goes on. Uh, but if the team's going to catch them, you know, Matt, catch them early like South Carolina, and especially at home, all that South Carolina has them. So, Will, that's 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 our breakdown of of the team that's been picked to win the SEC East uh, by all the media there. You know, I, of course, I picked them uh, first. You know, when I had the uh, SEC media ballot there, you know, no reason not to pick Georgia first. Uh, but I, I don't think you know they're an invincible machine with everything, the leadership, and just pure numbers that they have to replace on the team. No, there are question marks just like there are with every team. Um, you know, even Alabama has question marks. It doesn't mean that they're not going to win three out of every four years. It just means you got to hope this isn't the <laughs> this isn't the one of four. Um, you know, and and certainly with some of the. Uh, some of the battles that are going to be coming up for recruiting. I think it's a big deal to be able to start uh, putting a, uh, you know, putting some, uh, some, putting some wins together against your big rivals. Um, and George is certainly one of those. Yep. Cocktail party is always fun. Uh, no matter what happens uh, inside the stadium. So my favorite game will, but uh, we know we'll see uh, when it all comes about uh, when, when the teams match up in late October. So that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his work at ReadAndReaction.com. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.